You connect the dots. We live in a very strange world than what at least I grew up in. We connect in so many different ways. And you would think, you would think that people would be that much more connected. But you know what the recent research is showing? Is that because of Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, MySpace, if people still go there, um, that we are more disconnected today than we've ever been. And it might be a little surprising as to why they've come up with that solution. Well, the reason that we're so disconnected, follow me here, let's pretend that Kanye West is your very favorite author, artist of all time. Any Kanye West fans in here? Yeah, that's what I thought. Lots of you. Lots of you. Um, But let's say you think he is just great. Guess what? You go on Facebook, you can find people that think Kanye West is amazing. You can go on the interwebs and you can find article after article of why he is the greatest artist of our generation. And you can find the kind of the flip side of that. You can find articles that will say that he is, that anyone that doesn't agree with that, they just don't understand music at all, that they're complete morons and they're complete idiots. See, it used to be that if you got a magazine or if you read a book, there was like only one or two sources, and so you would get differing opinions. But in today's world, you can pick and choose what you really want to believe and what you want to think, and it's, because it's caused us to be even more polarized from anyone else. And we see this in sports, we see this in our political climate as it is today, and we also see this in Christianity. I heard this quote, and I think it's kind of true. Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to love their neighbor. And this is one of the reasons the series that we're doing right now is so important. Life on mission. What are we here for? Well, we're here to let people know about Jesus. And because of the climate that we live in and all the information we get, this can be harder than ever. But I believe we can still do it because people have their minds made up about Christianity, don't they? But we can still do it. And I'm going to give you some options of how we can break through. Now, you might be thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this is one of those sermons. Maybe I should have stayed home because I know what the big ask is going to be today. He's going to ask us to start knocking on people's doors and giving tracts and flyers out. Let me tell you, just follow me. Stay with me. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Uh, But as I was preparing the sermon, I was reminded when I was in Mount Carmel, tracing our first house we ever had. We bought this house, this tiny little house, um, on this tiny little street, and it went up this hill. And on occasion, we would have two guys that were of another religion that would kind of canvas the area. It was hilarious to watch the neighbors because you would have thought Hurricane Katrina was coming through. They bolted for their doors, they shut them, they locked them. No kidding. Lights would go out, blinds would go down. And it was like this, bang, 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 bang. Well, one time I decided to talk with the two gentlemen. And I'm talking with them and it lasted half an hour or whatever. Off they go. And the next thing I know, I see my neighbor across the street. I see the door open up a little, and I hear, Brian, are they gone? I'm not asking you to do that, nor am I asking you to do this. 
Olá! Olá, amigão! Olá, minha amiga! Olá, amigo! Olá, minha amiga! Por favor, um momento. Ah. Olá, vecino! Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesia es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, pecado, pecado. <laughs> not, not pecano, but, but uh, pecano says muy delicioso. See? 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 See, I, See? I don't even know. See? I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English. Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't I don't speak the language. Seriously. Yeah, I never Seriously. I never learned the language. Seriously. What were you saying? Never mind. Okay, moment of truth. Has anyone ever had an interaction like that? Anybody, anyone ever, okay, moment of truth for me, I've been that guy, not the Spanish thing, but I've been weird, all right? Oh, you're not supposed to laugh so quickly. I know I'm weird. Christians can be weird. That's one of the reasons that I am so happy that Tracy married me, because she tempers my weirdness. Sad thing is, though, this is a lot of what the world, non-Christians, they think of Christians. They think that we're strange, we're weird, we're fanatics, we're insensitive, we're closed-minded, we're judgmental. And on many marquee of a church should read the words, Welcome to the church of we're right and you're wrong. Now you have to think we're better than you. And because of these stereotypes, it can make, it, make sharing our faith kind of scary, right? It can, be, it can be daunting, it can be disheartening, crushing. And so what do we do? We fall back into our own little Christian bubbles. And we create our own little worlds. We have our own music, don't we? We have our own Christian schools, we have our own Christian movies, we have our own Christian radio stations. And so we begin to isolate ourselves from the world, and this happens. Now, I want you to understand, many of these things can be very inspiring. Christian music, I want to have the job I have if I didn't love Christian music. So there's nothing wrong with Christian mu music, but the danger is that we become placed in this little bubble and we never pop our heads out to see what the real world is doing. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what does this mean? Jesus was talking to people that were in Jerusalem. He's saying, you need to reach out to the people that don't know me. You need to go to where you are right here, right now. That's the first place. And then you can go to the far reaches of the world. But sometimes that's scary. And the problem with us going into that bubble and escaping into our own little Christian world is that it is the exact opposite of what Jesus wanted us to do, right? 
if God wanted us to become Christians, and as soon as we became Christians, he, would, he didn't want us to talk to anyone else, if he didn't want us to be in this world, what would have he done? He would have put us right into heaven, right? But he didn't do that. Rick Warren said there's only two things that we cannot do in heaven that we can do here. I think Brian talked about this last week. Those two things are, number one, we can't sin in heaven, but we can sin here. God doesn't want us to do that. Number two, though, we can tell people about Jesus here, but in heaven they're already going to know him, right? So why is it that it's so hard? Why is it? Because Jesus is great. Jesus is wonderful. Why wouldn't we want to tell him about it? Why, why wouldn't people... Have listened. Why wouldn't people have heard about it? Well, number one, maybe because no one said anything about Jesus to people. Or number two, and this is what I think we're so afraid of, is that we won't do a very good job of telling people about Jesus. And so many times we don't do not just a we don't do a great job, but sometimes we're afraid that we're going to do more damage, right? So that's our problem. And that's hopefully something that we're going to talk about and how we can overcome that today. Because people flock to Jesus. People love Jesus. They wanted to know Him. And the only people Jesus was harsh with were the people that were keeping them from Him. So let's ask our question. What is our church here for? What is this life on mission all about? What are Christians here for? Peter Drucker said, What business are we in, and how is business? What is our one job? Okay, so I've got some one job slides up, and uh, these people had one job, and they could not do it right. All right, how many of you? Back to school supplies. Anybody pick up one of these back to school supplies for your kids? All right, I loved entomology. It was my very favorite course when I was studying zoology. Um... Probably not a tarantula. Okay, this one. This one just blows my mind. You must have one long left arm, okay? Or there's going to be problems. All right, and this last one, I came across this one. I'm not so sure that this is really a problem. I think they got their one job right. So what is our one job here at Connection? All right, audience participation, what is our one job? Hint. What is it? It's connect. We're to connect people to God and each other through Jesus Christ. That is our one job. Luke chapter 15, 1 and 2 says, The tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus because that was his mission. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Jesus welcomed sinners? Yeah, he did. This is true. Of course it's true, so how else could Jesus fulfill his mission unless he met with these people? This is our first action step. It's connect with all of those people out there. Jesus wasn't just connecting with his disciples. He wasn't just connecting with the good people. He was connecting with the sinners and the tax collectors. And so if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Um, we're going to be kind of in and out of this, but it will be Matthew 9 through 13. We're going to tell, I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Matthew, and he was a tax collector at that time. 
I want us to kind of get into the mind of a first century Jew. Because if you're a first century Jew, the name tax collector and the job tax collector would probably be a whole lot different than what we think of it today. You know, today it's like, eh, I don't know if I'd want that job, or, you know, it doesn't sound like that'd be a whole lot of fun. Uh, but a tax collector at that time was a collaborator with the invading government. See, the Jews had been taken over by the Roman government, military takeover. They'd come in, and the Roman government said, All right, we need your money. And so we're going to ask certain people, just kind of contract it out who are going to give us our money, and if they take any money above and beyond what we ask for, they get to keep it themselves. All right, so imagine if you would. ISIS comes in and takes over the United States, and people collaborate with them. How would you feel about those people? Let's pretend Russia comes over and takes over the United States. Anybody watch 1984, Red Dawn? Okay, great movie for a 13-year-old when I was at the time. I thought I would be a Wolverine, all right? Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, and that girl from uh, Jennifer Grey. Thank you very much. Dirty Dancing. And if you were a little younger than that, 2012 also had our Red Dawn. It was also pretty decent. Pretty decent. One of the things that the people in those movies hated, the traitors. The tax collectors would have been the traitors. The tax collectors in our day would also have been the drug dealer that's on the corner of MG Elementary selling drugs to elementary school kids. So imagine if you would. Jesus is walking up to one of these tax collectors. Tax collectors, they would have put, put the booths on a road or by a bridge, and they would have had Roman guards there. And they would have said, hey, to use this road, to use this bridge, to go into this town, you have to pay your taxes. And all the other Jews are looking around and they see tax collectors and they, they say, you know what? We're gracists. And what's a gracist? Tim Harlow, he coined this phrase and he said that gracism is I deserve to be with the Father, but you don't. It's not about the color of your skin, it's about the color of your sin. See, all the Jews around, they're seeing these tax collectors and they're saying, you know what, we're up here, we're the good people, tax collectors, prostitutes. They don't deserve God's grace. So as Jesus walks up, his disciples, they know this type of thinking, they know what's going on, and they're thinking, you know what, we know we're getting ripped off. And we know we see this tax collector up there, we know that he's a rich guy, and he's made a lot of money off people that don't have much money. He's a cheat. He's a sellout. He's a collaborator. He's a traitor. What's Jesus going to do? So they're walking up and they're probably thinking, Jesus, he's going to lay the smack down. This is why he came. He's going to set things right. So he goes up there and they're all expecting Jesus to say, shame, shame, shame. But what does he do instead? Jesus says, hey, Matthew. Come follow me. Come follow me. And at this point, I think the disciples are like, whoa, 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 what's just going on? Because come follow me, you know what that really means? I want you to hang out with me. I went on a conference to Kansas City, Missouri when I was in college, and we had to do a missions trip for a day. So I jump in, the, in this church van with 
this guy from Indiana, and he, he I really liked the dude quite a bit. He was one of the missionaries, at, or one of the ministers at Purdue University. We get in the car, and we're off on the highway, and the next thing I know, we're pulled over to the side on the interstate, and a homeless man jumps into the van. Rob had asked this guy to hang out with us. He's bleeding all over the place. He's half drugged out. And I'm thinking, what in the world just happened? So we spent the next two hours trying to find, trying to help him somehow and find out where we could take him. He's probably just thinking, why don't you take me back to where I need to go? But, you know, we didn't. I'm thinking that the the disciples are probably thinking the exact same thing here. Like, what in the world just happened, Jesus? Why are we with him? Why are you saying we're supposed to hang out with this guy? See, we want to hang out with the Kurt Warners and the Tim Tebows, the God's favorite athlete people. We want to hang out with the people that are respected because they bring people to you. Not the tax collectors, not the drug dealer on the side of the street. We don't want a selfie with that guy. But Jesus says, no, I want to hang out with you. So the next thing we see is Jesus is having a party at his house. Jesus says, hey, follow me. And the next logical step, right, is I'm hungry. Hey, come over to my house and I'll give you something to eat. So he goes over to the house. He has something to eat. And we know at this point that Matthew is really, really comfortable with Jesus. Because what does he do? He invites other tax collectors to come. And how do the tax collectors feel about Jesus? Well, they are also comfortable because it says that many come. And here's the other clue that we have as to Jesus making these people comfortable. How did the religious leaders and the teachers of the law, how did they respond? Because if Jesus was doing what they thought he should be doing, Jesus would have been saying, shame, shame, you need to change your life. What you guys are doing, it's oppressive to these people. You've got to stop right here, right now, making them all feel bad. What would have the teachers of the law said to that type of talk? They would have went, thank you very much, Jesus. You're doing a wonderful job. But that's not what they said. They said this. They said, the Pharisees asked, what, what is your teacher? Why is this your teacher at this party? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he here? And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Why do you think I'm here? It's because I'm the doctor. And then Jesus becomes harsh. And he says, but go and learn what this means. Remember who he's talking to? He's talking to the teachers of the law. He's talking to the college professors. And have you ever said to a college professor, hey, you need to learn something? It doesn't go very well, does it? He says, I desire mercy. Go learn what this means. You guys think you've got it all figured out? I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've come to call the righteous. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've called to come sinners. He says, you should know this stuff. Because this is the business we're in. Reaching the lost. Mike Iaconelli said, until Jesus came along, we were all outside the fence of God's grace. Jesus did more then moved the fence, he completely tore it down. No wonder these people are so frustrated. Because what defense builders hate when you tear their fences up. Jesus spent a lot of his time, and I would argue all of his time, with people who are far away from God. He tells another story in Luke chapter 14 about a wealthy landowner 
and this guy wants to have a big party. And he invites all of his friends, and the friends all decline the invitation. But they decline the invitation in very, very rude ways. Kind of like in today's world, if we said, hey, I'm going to have a party, and my friend says, well, I really can't come because I just built a pool, and I've got to find out whether the water is at the right temperature. So the guy's offended, and then he tells his servants, he says, I want you to go out and you go get anybody you can find. Get the lame, get the poor, get the powerless. Bring them to my party. The people that think they've got it all figured out, they're going to miss out. So I ask us, ask us as a church, our mission, how much effort do we make to reach lost people? Do we know people that don't know God? Now, follow me here. Do we know if we know people that don't know God? We need to have a heart for the lost. Because that's our mission. If we've signed up, that's something we've got to do. And sometimes that mission needs to go to crazy places. There's a guy named Craig Gross, and he was out in California, and he decided that he wanted to have a heart and felt that God was saying, you need to reach out to pornographers, to people in the industry, to people addicted to porn. And so he started this thing called Triple X Church. You can check it out online. It's a great ministry to them. They put churches right next to strip clubs because he believed that people needed, everybody needed to know Jesus no matter what walk of life, no matter what they were doing. I have a friend named Craig. He's in Dallas. I went to college with him. He got together with a worship leader friend, and this guy said, hey, you know what, we need to go into the bars, that scene in Dallas. And so they all got their, their instruments, they put a band together. Now, they didn't, they didn't play overtly Christian music, but they went into that culture to be a light and to show people that they lived differently. And they had people asking questions, and they had people saying, you know, why are you guys different, and why do you not do what everybody else does? And he believes that they changed some lives that way. But I think we need to ask ourselves a very important question. Do we want messy people in our church? Do we want messy people in our church? And you know what? I hope the answer is yes, because you're a mess. And I'm a mess. But you might say, well, Brian, do we really want the drug dealer in the elementary school's mess? Do we want the drunks mess? Do we want the strung out guys mess? Do we want the prostitutes mess? Do we really want to deal with these problems? And I hope so much that our answer is yes, and I believe it is. One of the greatest compliments that I got um, fairly recently, when I moved into our neighborhood in O'Fallon, almost 10 years ago, I found out later that there was a particular neighbor that was terrified for me to move in. And you might think, well, I can understand that because we've seen how well you are at lawn care. That, that's not the case. Uh, or maybe how well I am at being handy and fixing things around the house. Well, I've got Brian Boyer and Dennis Barrow to help me with those things. So that's not the case. Well, they found out that I was a minister. And I can just imagine the, the, the conversations. Well, the, the neighborhood is going downhill now because the Christians are moving in. They found out I was a minister, but since then we've become friends. I like them a lot, but the best compliment I've got is, you know what, Brian? I don't see you as a minister at all. Yeah, I don't know how I should take that, but 
The point is, this person had been hurt deeply by religious people. And I wonder how many times Matthew had been hurt by religious people. And churches are supposed to be hospitals. Do hurting people know that they can come to Connection Christian Church? And how do they, how will we know if they know they can come? Well, at this point right now, what I'd like you to do, open up your bulletin. Get this card out right here. The in your, in the hood card. And if you would, this is, this is your project for the week. Project, that's the wrong word. This is your, uh, this is your assignment for the week. I would like you to start filling in the names of all the people that are around your house. Okay, now, you may not have a house. Maybe you're a student, um, and it would work better. Maybe the people that sit around you in your class. Maybe it would work better, too, if in your office. All the people that are around your cubicle. Any of those types. The point is, find your Jerusalem, hopefully it's your neighborhood, and start thinking, who, who lives around me? How well do I know them? And, and if you can't fill them all out, or if you can only fill half of them out, that's okay because this is the point of today's sermon. This is your action step. This is your connect. Go find out their names. Plain and simple. Find out their names. That's it. Find a way that you can go and you can connect with them. Now, this is very, very, very important. Don't be weird. There is your commandment. The other is the assignment. This is the commandment. And I know for some of us, this is going to be really hard. Don't be weird. Okay, so if you've got the card and you put it up on your refrigerator, they come over to your house, they're going to feel like a project. Don't make them feel like a project. That's not the point of this. The point of this is just so that you can get to know their names, just so that you can speak into their life somehow. You, you might even get a friend. So, how do we do this, though? Because you're thinking, well, Brian, what am I supposed to do? Just show up, knock on their door, and say, hey, I'm Brian, um, who are you? Well, we've got Halloween coming up. Wonderful time to see people. That's one of the reasons I love Halloween, because all the neighbors are out, right? Okay, here's some other ideas that you could do. You could bake some cookies and take it to them. Just say, hey, I baked extra cookies. Here you go. You could have a barbecue, invite people over. You could watch a football game together, find out if they like football. You know, see if they've got the Packers flag or whatever out there. And invite them over and say, come on over. Um, this is one of the things that I love to do. I love to borrow stuff from people. I have probably borrowed 10 pounds of powdered sugar from my neighbors. And I think they can t- attest to that. Yes, they can. And some of the neighbors get, get beignets, other neighbors don't. And we're going to try to rectify that. Um, I know of another guy that has done a full-blown parade in their neighborhood. It's something I'm dying to do. So, the whole point, just find out what you have in common. Find out their names. Find out just a little bit about them. You don't have to go and, and talk to them about Jesus right now, but I believe that if you get to know them, those opportunities are going to come up. My very favorite conversion story is my friend Craig Nelson. He, he was the guy I was talking about that was in the band in Dallas. Uh, Craig... I met him when I was a junior in college. He was a freshman, incoming freshman at Eastern Illinois University. Uh, Our campus ministry, we would have barbecues and we would have these things for the incoming freshmen so that they could just meet people and they could 
we could meet them and they can have an idea of who we were. Craig came to that because he thought girls were going to be there. And we did a pickup basketball game, playing basketball, and then someone poked his eye so much so that, we, that he couldn't see for a long time, and his eye was bloodshot and red forever. Probably should have taken him to the hospital, but I didn't. I said, hey, Craig, I'll take care of you. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll get you. You know, I got him back to his dorm room. I checked up on him the next day, and lo and behold, we became good friends. Good friends for a couple years. I come back from summer break, and, it's, and, I, and Craig was my roommate uh, for a little while. We lived right next to each other, and about a week later, I come back after summer break. Craig comes up to me, and he says, Brian, I um, just want to let you know I got baptized over the summer. And I'm thinking, well, I, I kind of would like to have seen that. That would have been awesome. But on the other hand, it was amazing because Craig and my relationship was based on us liking each other, having a great friendship, and Craig knew that I was going to be his friend, regardless if he was a Christian or not. Now, I wanted him to become one. I wanted more than anything for him to become one. But I was going to be his friend no matter what. And that's what I ask you do with your neighbors. That's what I ask you do with the people around you. Just find out about them. Don't make them a project. Treat them like a person. We can be in this world and not of it by really doing just a few simple things. Be kind. Be honest. Be hardworking. Be forthright. Don't be selfish. We do these things, people will know something's different about us. Now, I want to put one disclaimer on this sermon. I talked about going to the bars and the church going to the strip clubs. God may have it on your heart to go to a dangerous type place, to a Haiti, to an Africa. You may feel that burden on your heart, and that's, that's great, and I think you should go with it. But if you have a temptation that you're not sure you could overcome, Steer clear of those places as well. Do you get that? Does everybody understand? Because we can be a witness wherever we're at. You can be a witness in your neighborhood. So let's go back to that very first video I show, I, sh I shown. The one about people connecting. People want to connect with God. And how are they going to do that? I believe they're going to do that by connecting with us first. So would you stand? And I'm going to pray. And we're going to pray over this card right here. Dear Heavenly Father, you have put us in a particular place at a particular time around particular people. And I ask that we get to know them because I know that you love them and you have a heart for them. And I ask that you give us that same heart that we don't make them projects, but we see them as human beings that want to connect. Lord, I know that it can be super hard to share our faith. And so right now I ask that we just want to share with them, share our lives, and let you work on that part of it. Lord, Help our church be a church that will deal with messy people and when people come, they know and feel comfortable 
because of how much we love them and they know how much you love them. And it's in your son's name we pray.